Well, welcome to church. Good to see you capturing the vision of God. Most of us in our life, and as we've come to Christ, we are constantly trying to just be pleasing to Him. We're trying to, to keep our lives, you know, biblically accurate. We're trying to, to keep our lives holy, and we're just wanting to constantly be in that frame. But then life, life uh, has a tendency to get in its way. And then when we get stressed, or when we get a little off, sometimes we can get ourselves into places to where we even feel that the very God that we believe in and love and can is, is oddly, is strangely distant. And what we see is that as a church, as a family, as, individual, um, as a as the church of Christ, God is for us to constantly be captured by his vision. The very things that Lisa talked about, we're going to just enhance that. There's nothing like hearing the word of the Lord, seeing visually the word of the Lord, and there's nothing like actual scripture that life and breathes into us that is able, as Paul told Timothy, to the very core of, of our very merits of our You see, that's how God chases even one that is lost. He is constantly in pursuit of us. And with that, he in the relationship with him, he wants us to know that he is constantly in that pursuit and that even when we feel as though we are not constantly trying to pursue him, he's right there. And so as we develop continued visions for our own families, how we want our kids to grow, how we want to mature in our own careers and so forth, when everything is driven and centered on Christ, then we can, we can speak as the Apostle Paul to say, I hold every thought captive to Christ. I give everything over to him. You see, even as a, as a congregation, we have a 2020 vision. We have a 2025 vision and years beyond that. And we have uh, collected a, a group of people in the initial stage to, to be a part of a 2020 vision group to kind of see what we can do. And they... They're just throwing out ideas. I mean, it's it, ideas and concepts and changes and having the hard conversations and all those things that is difficult for right? You know you need to have that conversation, but yet at the same time you go, ha, ah, and then you move. God's people and people in general, and if we're all known before we are in our mother's room by all of God's people, they, we have a tendency to do that. And we will lose our focus. We will lose, we, when we lose our focus on God's vision, then we have a tendency to not be captured by it. Jeremy Bilby is, is a part of that 2020 vision team. And he's going to uh, be assisting and, and leading uh, into a, an experience in just a, a little bit. But we want to give you the understanding that God knows and he knows what we have a tendency to do when vision for life, vision for our families. As a matter of fact, Bill Hybels uh, famously uh, kind of coined that, that vision leaks, right? It's sometimes vision is like sand in your hands and you can't, you can't, you know, you can't keep it all. And so whatever you're thinking, whatever the Holy Spirit is going to lead you today, we're going to ask that you just be open to be captured by him I think there are four questions i really think there are four questions no matter what we look at in scripture what we look at into our life it can really help us 
understand how to stay captured, how to be completely enamored with no matter what is going on, that we don't lose focus on our God. It's who is listening? Who is speaking? Who is promising? And who is providing? You see, we sometimes uh, feel as though we are like exiles. We're like foreigners. Have you ever thought about living here? Some of you were born and raised here. Some of you came here for the military. Some of you were here in the military, loved the place, came and retired here. When I say that, there are others going, what in the world are they doing? Right? And so we find ourselves in a city. I'm going to say right from the very beginning that you and I are exactly where we're supposed to be right now. We may go, what are you talking about? I don't like the situation I'm in. I don't even I don't even want to be here in this place of life. Others of you are going, yeah, yeah I, I, I totally agree with you, Tom. That God has me exactly where I am. People of God, we have a hard time settling our souls. We have a hard time just resting in the place of saying, who is listening and who is speaking? Who is promising and who is providing? We just came off and, you know, another... Uh, you know, political week, right? And the conversation could easily, oh my goodness, I'm glad that's over with. Or, you know, you know promises and all thing. Is there going to be anything provided for us? And we're constantly, as people of a nation, a people of a state and a city, we're, we're, we're hoping and we're, we're hoping on promises and so forth. And yet, even through all of those things, God is saying, listen, I still have this whole situation. We don't find a lot, we don't find a lot of narrative except within the Gospels that kind of give us the understanding of people being stuck in life and Jesus saying, listen, no, be captivated by me and by what the Father and through the Spirit we have planned for you. I bring forth the kingdom of God. We have to really see within those, you get to the epistles, the letters in the New Testament, you don't see a lot of narrative. There's not a, there's not a lot of explanation. But boy, when you look at the Old Testament, this, this picture becomes loud and clear. If you feel as though the, you know, you, the, 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 you know, the Old Testament is kind of hard to get a handle on, I get that. But when you allow yourself to get into the narratives, the stories, what you will see is life-giving, life-breathing, you see, Scripture is written many times in specific contexts to specific people. But all Scripture is for all of us. And what we do is we bring thing there that really applies to us. As a matter of fact, I think that if we would take our lives autobiographically and say, listen, what if my story is a future biblical story? Or what if it's a story right now? Now some might go, you mean we're adding to the Bible? No. But could you imagine that we trust God enough that he is writing our story and that if we looked and just stepped aside to see what God is doing in our life by what we're experiencing? You see, that's hard. It's difficult when you've got stuff in your face or you're in a place you don't want to be or there's so many things that you want to do and improve or you just, you're just new to something and you're just new transition with kids. 
the newest of transition with that age category or empty nesting or having an aged parent, right? We get into these life situations that God says, listen, don't, don't lose. Don't lose the fact that I am, I'm wholly in love with you and I want each of us to be held captive by one another. I'm going to take most of the, 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 the narrative from the book of Jeremiah. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along in chapters 27 through 29. It's not expository. We'll be here forever. But what we want to do is get these little snippets. We'll just have little snippets on, uh, on the screen to just kind of tell you where we're at. But in 27 through 29, we're going to really see how who is listening and who is speaking and who is promising and who is providing really helps us center ourselves on being captivated by the vision of God. Jeremiah was a prophet, and in that he was told to speak to the people. And he had said in earlier chapters of his book of, uh, of, of Jeremiah that, that the city of Jerusalem would eventually be conquered, and it would be conquered by Babylon, and that Babylon would then hold captive they would be exiled, they would be foreigners, they would be split and spread across the, the entire empire, and that it would last for 70 years. That was God's word. Now there's plenty of other things he tells that we can know experiencing, we through our can say, we know we've reaped what we've sown. I really understand this, but I have to trust that God knows and that God is leading, right? And so he gives this prophecy. Where we pick up in 27, time that they had given some, uh, that Jeremiah had given the prophecy, there were other And we see that the scholars say that the Babylonian uh, economics and so forth actually in the Babylonian chronicle the historical piece of Babylonian history gives us understanding that that some of the prophets of God or the self-made prophets of God began to see the political culture and the economic culture and they were getting the they were getting it was almost like watching the news right we heard this from the White House or we heard this from this and they were taking all these stories and they were beginning to think that something was happening well, there was a prophet who decided that he was going to measurements, take that data, and he was now on the scene. He was the prophet on the scene, and he was going to say, he was really, nobody really knew him. But now he comes on the scene, and he's saying, he's given the people of God a big promise. That really, it's not about 70 years, it's only about two years. That's great news. Could you imagine the dilemma that you're in right now? Someone shortens that time and you go, I'll take it any day, right? Wouldn't you just love for somebody to say, it's only going to take you two years to get out of debt, right? It's only going to take you two years to replenish that marriage. It's only going to take two years that your children are going to listen to everything you've ever said. Man, that'd be the best two years in the world, right? So Hananiah comes on the scene. Well, Jeremiah... Jeremiah is, is combating this. And so God had given Jeremiah the spoken word, and now he decides that he's going to take Jeremiah and make him a visible, a visual example. And so he puts, 
he says in chapter 27 and 28, he says, put on a yoke. Put on an extended yoke. And you'll see a picture of this. It's made for animals. But he asks Jeremiah now, let alone not being listened to by the people, now you say your message and you've got this yoke on you. You carry this yoke. And through that, that was going to be a sign and a voice to say, listen, no, this is 70 years. We're, we, we cannot take on these, these false teachings. God is a God of consistency, and he has said 70. And so he began to, you know, to share that message and continue with that message. He even says, do not listen through God, God speaking through Jeremiah in verse 9 of chapter 27 he says so do not listen to your prophets your diviners your dreamers your fortune tellers your sorcerers who are saying to you you shall not serve the king of babylon you see sometimes we get these messages we're in a situation and you get all the voices but yet we're not freed from those voices we get kind of the idle promises well jeremiah at this point is kind of a, a debbie downer but yet he was trying to help them understand that the one who pursues them that in the midst of what he has already said is going to happen, they are going to experience truth. Who is speaking? Who is promising? Who is providing? Jeremiah 27, 9, so don't listen to them. Jeremiah 27, 12, he says, bring your necks, bring your necks under this yoke. You must understand. And then 27, 17 through 18, he says, don't listen to them again, and if they were listening, and if they were true prophets, they would be in intersection with the Lord. They would have interceded with the Lord. You see, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. It, he wept over God's people in Jerusalem. They were not going and doing the things that God would want them to do. And through that, he wept a lot. When you read his book, Lamentations, that's like a funeral dirge of, of the destruction of Jerusalem. It's like a funeral message. He is one who was emotional. He was one that was, was, but he stuck with it. And with that, the misery of the prophet. But what drove the prophet was the truth of God. And through that, he says, listen, if these guys were truly praying and truly interceding and truly connecting with, the God, with God, they would know that this prophecy is wrong. They would know that their motives are not aligned. He says, you stay with the message. And so Hananiah, in a wonderful spectacle, I could just see this. And in our technological age, I can just see how this would just be, be just broadcast everywhere. Hananiah comes and he says, okay, I still say that the Lord is... So we got prophet versus prophet. And he says, nope, it is two years. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take off. So he goes and he releases. He takes the, the yoke off of Jeremiah and throws it aside in this symbol of saying, no, my prophecy is sure. And with that, Jeremiah, I'm sure with a tear in his eye, said, no, listen, within two years, Hananiah, you're going to be dead. Prophet versus prophet. You are wrong. You are mistaken. Who are they listening to? Who's going to be their provider? 
So Hananiah begins to, his, his rallying speech, he gives this rallying speech to say, listen, it's years. I mean, it's, it's, in two years, it's going to be beset. He's been told that now he is going to die. So we see this, he said versus he said. And the prophet Jeremiah says, listen, I, he's, matter of fact, it says in your passage, it says, amen. He says, amen to what he's saying. Don't you wish that would happen? I would wish that that would happen. But that is not what's going to happen. God is consistent. It's going to take 70 years. And through that, he begins to see that the people really desired to listen to Hananiah. And so we have prophet versus prophet, and Jeremiah decides, well, it's he said versus what I say, even though I speak for the Lord. And it says in the, in the passage, it says he just goes along his way. He doesn't get in, entangled with, with, with arguing and all of that. He just goes his own way. And so the people are left to listen to. You know, who is speaking? Who is, who is promising the better situation? We want to get out of captivity. Two years is great. That would be awesome. But they were focusing on the prophet and not on the one who is going to give them true freedom. Who is going to provide that? So then we see one of the most motivational passages. You probably have seen it on a meme or maybe even grandma's wall or your own wall at your home, a passage of scripture that gives us tremendous hope, but the backstory of it is what gives it, gives it its, its true meatiness, its true understanding. In chapter 29, he comes back with a letter. You see, Lisa talked this morning about the very voice of God and then the very symbol and the understanding of what God is doing through his visual understanding and the visual explanation and now there is an official political letter it's sent to the priests it's sent to sent to the kings this is God again saying to us have you ever in your situation had God tell you things like three or four or more times and you kept going on this promise or that promise you see God says listen if you want a consistent vision if you want to understand what I want for your family or for, for your church or for a movement of the kingdom of God, stay consistent in the way you live. Stay consistent in what I'm telling you. And whatever you do, don't listen to the promises of men. Always gird yourself with the promises that I give to you because I will not fail you. There may be hard times. There may be struggles. There may be these things, but I haven't left you. And through that, you are going to know and understand my plan. Don't give up on the vision that I have poured into you. Don't give up on the vision that Scripture has told for centuries. You stay strong. You make your plan. You don't take the idle promises. You stay with the solid promises. And so then he says in chapter 20, uh, 29, he gives the letter, Thus says the Lord of hosts to all the exiles whom I have sent into the exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and live, them, live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. And give your, give your, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply, do not decrease, continue to increase. 
Now see, we can take that motivationally, that we're here in Albuquerque, right? We bridge that. We, we're here in Albuquerque. And it's everything that we can do in the life of this church as we look forward and we look beyond today into what God desires for this church to do in the future to say, however we got here, no matter how we feel about being here, God has a tremendous plan for us and vision that we would continue to do life here and thrive and understand that he brings great pleasure and that there's true prosperity that we can experience and that there is true peace that we can certainly have and also spread. But you see, they heard it again 70 years. I was reading this week, one, I didn't do a massive research, but the, I believe one of the most current numbers is 78.2 years have to live on this life so 70 the, the the number 70 we know the biblical ramifications but if we just looked at it practically they were going to be held in captivity for most of them a lifetime it was a lifetime of this situation sometimes we say what can god do in this situation if this lasts a lifetime and god's saying listen i can do a lot he goes on and he says for thus says the Lord of the hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. Some of your translations say, don't, don't listen to the dreams that they know you want to hear. Because manipulative people and false prophets, will, will, they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. But it's not what God desired. God is with us through the long haul. God is with us. He is taking us and he is going to get us to that place and even to the promised land. And then he says this. When 70 years are completed, verse 10, I will visit you and fulfill to you the promise and bring you back to this place. Now this was the children of Israel going back to Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God is saying in the Hebrew, my mind is solid on what I know I'm doing with you. My mind knows what it's planning for you. And it is for you to experience true peace and true prosperity. That even in this life, you see, they, they heard the message and they thought, are you kidding me? Babylon? Babylon prosper? That, that makes no sense. But see, God always plants his people into situations and into environments that can help it grow. We see that language in the kingdom of God. You see, the questions are, who is listening? Who is speaking? Who is promising? Who is providing?
um, just so much. We don't have enough time to really get into a lot of it, but what I want to do is make some points here very clearly that we are a kingdom in exile. We are part of a kingdom that is here, but not completely, not yet, been being fully realized. Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And yet Jesus in his first sermon said the kingdom of God is near. It's really near. So what I want to do is, is look at verse 12. It's, it's very uh, just full of just depth. Um, and the, the English isn't uh, that great, but it, it, it will do. Uh, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I just want to talk about this word prayer really quick. In the Hebrew, it uses uh, this verb tense. Uh, it's like a very intense verb tense. Hit payel. You don't see it very often, so when you see it, it really alerts the reader to uh, a passionate plea. Uh, so the word prayer here could be cry out, call out, scream to me. So God is inviting us to call out and scream and cry and wail for him in the midst of being in exile. You know, there, in verse 12, there's no uh, invitation of, well, if you feel like it, if you want to, no, it's when you're in exile, you will scream, you will cry out to me, you will call upon me. And this is the reason that I want it, verse 12. And I will listen. God's saying, I will listen. God is listening. That word listen in the Hebrew is shema, which means listen, but it also means obey. When we're in exile and we're crying out and calling out to the Lord, he will obey us. Isn't that weird? God will obey us? But yet in the New Testament, what do we know about Jesus? That he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so what I want to do is I want to invite us to, to um, go through some prayers. But first I want to look at uh, Revelation chapter 5. This will just give us a hint of, of what God thinks about our prayers. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are prayers, <clears throat> the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seal because you are slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And you have made them into a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Further on down it says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and praise and glory to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb to be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever and ever. See, in heaven, our prayers are linked to the worship 
of God. And so today, I just want to invite you as a congregation to uh, do a guided prayer with me. We're going to look at what God had asked us to do in Jeremiah. And what did he ask us to do? To seek peace and prosperity for our city. So I just want to invite you to uh, do this guided prayer with me. You can close your eyes. You can bow your head. You can kneel. You can stand up. You can um, do what you need to do. Take a posture of uh, submission, a posture of prayer. I'll just be standing up here, so I don't want to be the only one standing, but that's fine too. (laughs) And so what I'd like for us to do is just take a moment to listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit may may say to you individually. And as you listen to the Holy Spirit, he may give you a word or an image or a piece of scripture. And I just want to invite you to pray that word or image or scripture back to the Father, for he is listening. And then I want you to take a moment to pray for the person sitting next to you. Pray that they will receive peace and have peace and have prosperity. Pray for their families. Pray that they receive favor from their employer or employee. I want you to shift for a moment and pray for the staff here at FCC. Pray for the elders. If you're near a staff member or elder, just uh, lift your hand toward that person. Pray that they would have wisdom, humility as they lead. Pray for their family, that there's peace in the household. Pray that they would prosper.
Pray for their children. Then I want to invite you to shift for a moment and, and pray for our city. Pray for Albuquerque. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for those that, that lead this city. Pray that their decisions will be based on wisdom and humility. Take a moment to pray for those that that are in leadership positions of this state. Pray that the state of New Mexico will be prosperous. Lastly, I want to take a moment to to pray for our nation. I just want to ask you to pray that uh, instead of division, that there will be uh, commonality, that there will be understanding, that there will be unity. Pray for our leaders and the Senate and the House of Representatives and our president, staff, that there will be wisdom and humility. And so, Father, we just thank you that you are a good father who listens. And that you, you, you seek our prayers. We thank you that you're the one who leaves the 99. That you're the one that goes after the one. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us with with wisdom and humility and peace.